Welcome to Optimize My Life, the ultimate radio show where we unlock the secrets to living our best lives. Now, before we dive into this exciting journey of self-improvement and empowerment, I want to take a moment to thank our incredible sponsor, The Hope Collection, for making this show possible. Their unwavering commitment to spreading hope and positivity in our lives is truly remarkable. We believe in the power of interaction, so we want you to be a part of this incredible journey. Call in, write to us, or connect on social media. We'd love to hear your questions, experiences, and challenges. Together, we'll create a thriving community of like-minded individuals, supporting each other to thrive and shine. Well, happy Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to Roadmapping Your Life with Heather Mahoney. It's great to be here. It is the last Tuesday in November. And it's also the last week of regular season baseball. The Yankees didn't make it to the playoffs, but they barely made it at all to um, a 500 season. So, yay, Yankees. We'll look forward to next April when they be much, much better. And if you're not a Yankees fan, oh, well, that's okay. We still love you anyway. All right. So tonight we have an amazing storyteller, and her name is Desiree Desat. So let me tell you a little bit about Desiree. Amazing, amazing, amazing. She's a professionally trained life transition coach who specializes in helping individuals navigate major life transitions with more grace, compassion, and love for themselves. She draws on her personal experience and her training as a core energy coach, mental fitness PQ coach, yoga instructor, and a certified grief educator. Oh, that is amazing. Her di- oh, that's my business partner. You remember Henley? She makes so much noise. Oh, Lord. Let's get Henley quiet. Her diverse education enables her to help her clients begin to tune into their internal compassion so that they can begin to lay a solid foundation for building their new lives, enabling them to determine the best path forward, discern what feels in alignment with their values, character, and future direction. And that's all about road mapping. And here to tell her story of how she roadmapped her life and got to where she is today, please welcome Desiree Desette. Desiree, hi. Hello, how are you? It's so great to talk to you. It's so great to talk to you as well. It is, thank you so much for being here today. I love that you were so on top of it. You, in my midst of craziness today, you reminded me that I needed to be here. And it's like, oh, yes, I love the universe because it takes care of itself when I'm crazy. And it just keeps me going straight and forward on the word. So thank you for being you. Oh, you're welcome. It's my joy and my pleasure and I just love living, um, being open to the magic that, that happens um, every day that's around us that we, you know, it can be easy to overlook. But when, when you have your eyes open and you're paying attention, um, there's amazing things that happen every day. And you just get little signs and nudges that you're on the right path. And so, anyway, I was just, I was just confirming with you that we were still on. And, yeah, it was a great conversation with you today before we hopped on the call. 
I know, right? And so we have so much to talk about. So I don't do a lot of preamble or I don't have an ante room or anything. I just get right in. You know, I'm, I jump on the oh, highway. And perfect. <laughs> so, That's all right. Perfect. So tell, me little, so tell me a little bit about how you started or what was that pivot point or that 3 o'clock moment that got you to say, oh, my God, I need to roadmap my life differently. And I know you didn't use the term roadmap, but what was that cliffhanger for you that made you jump? Um, well, I will say that I'm, I can be a slow learner, so it was a process. Um, I jokingly refer to the last 10 years of my life as the decade of doom, and that was constant realignment. Um, I originally knew I was not on the right path career-wise in 2011 when I got, I got laid off from a job. I had a couple months notice that my job was going away and I, I didn't job? want to go back. I'm job? sorry. What was your job? What were you doing? I, I have worked uh, for almost 20 years in information technology. I worked with customer relationship management systems. So um, the latest one was Salesforce. So I would basically, when you call the bank and you say, you know, I need help, or it's it's the database where your customer um, interactions are stored. So sales and service organizations usually use it, sometimes uh, marketing uh, organizations that run campaigns. So that's Got really it. my area of expertise. And I, I'm, I like that work and I'm good at it, but it doesn't fill my heart. And the first time that I picked up on that was in 2011. I was like, I don't want to go back to this work, but I was married. And my husband at the time was like, you can't walk away from this career. You know, you can't. What are you talking about? So I tried to make it work. Okay. So and, hold on um, one moment. I, I'd love to interject okay. a question. 2011. So I know mm-hmm. something in 2011 that pretty much change everybody's focus. So it's right around this month in September, a little bit earlier, uh, 9-11. So did that have anything to do with any of this? Well, that was, I think that was 2001. Okay, so I'm off by 10 years. Who cares? (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, because I I mean, mm, I actually went back to that job as a contractor in, in September of 2011. Um, and it actually helped them finish out a project that they were having trouble, which was, it was great. It gave me some income and I was able to kick the can down the road a little bit more. But what really the latest catalyst that got me in my career shift was losing my job as a result of COVID. Got um, it. So I went back to, I went back to work. I got a divorce. I kind of had to work through my divorce. My mom got diagnosed with a terminal illness. She passed right before COVID. Um, I went back to work because I was on a leave of absence um, when she was passing and uh, went back to work and COVID hit and, you know, I lost my job again. And I was like, okay, here we are again, you know, Um, and I've had all these major shifts in my life. I'm no longer married. There's nobody that... I jokingly refer to myself as I'm unsupervised because I don't have, both my parents are deceased. I don't, I'm not married and I don't have children. So I have ultimate freedom. That, but it, that can be freedom. Well, what did you say? I said that was ultimate freedom. You didn't have to worry about daycare or the kids being in school or anything. Oh, that was pretty neat. Well, yes, but it's also frightening, Heather. Like, the freedom is exhilarating and frightening at the same time. Does that make sense? Oh, uh, oh absolutely. I mean, I'm so definitely about the divorce. You were, I didn't catch that last piece. I said I was scared to death when I got the, the uh, my divorce. I was like, wait a minute, how am I going to afford this? And I was speaking to someone the other day. It's like, Heather, that was such a false belief idea and concept. Here's why. I was making more money than the ex-husband. 
So why was I scared about the divorce? Yeah, I went through a divorce with no job, Heather. And that's a whole other story in and of itself I won't get into. Um, but this is a, this was, that was a moment where the universe opened up and I applied for a job that I was overqualified for with a company that I really wanted to work with. And they interviewed me and they were like, we really love you. And then they came back and they said, we hired somebody else for that job, but we're really interested in hiring you. We just haven't figured out how, because we need your skill set. And it took them about a month or two. And I was just, I was spinning. And I would go talk to my divorce lawyer and she'd be like, you don't have a job. Like, how are you going to pay this retainer? And I'm like, you just have to trust me that I'm going to be okay. Um, and I was that, that contract came through and that, that contract opportunity turned into a full-time job. And that was the same job that got me through, you know, caregiving for my mom. And, and it ended, you know, right at the end of 2020. And that's when I set up and I said, okay, what, what are, we're back here and what is going on? And it, and what I landed on was I wanted to be a coach, but it took me about eight months to get there. And oh. the hilarious thing that I did not realize when I started looking at coaching schools is that I had decided to become a coach in 2016, but I was in the middle of this tumultuous marriage and I knew I was getting a divorce. And so I just set it aside. Okay. So you weren't ready at that moment. Mhm. And, and so yeah. you were going to forge, so you were in the process of getting a divorce. You saw something, but it it piqued your interest or piqued your passion, but you were scared to go through the door and take charge of it. So why were you scared? I think, I think because I knew that everything else in my life was about to change. You know, I was losing everything that I knew, um, and I was shedding a lot of of energy, a lot of people, um, and and I think that looking back, it makes sense that I didn't do it then. It would have been too much change all at once. Um, I needed a stable income. For my mom had ALS. And that is a disease that requires a lot of caregiving. And she lived in a different state than me and my sister. And so it was a lot of travel. And I would not have had the flexibility and the income that I had um, if I was trying to start my own coaching business. Got it. Okay. All right. So priority one was make sure mom had quality in mm -hmm. her final journey. And two... Mm -hmm. Um, priority number two for you was make sure that you had resources that would be able to fulfill those needs of your mom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So did you find that out during the process or after? It was after. You know, um, something that I shared today on my Instagram account is um, when you're going through a period where it doesn't make sense, one of the mantras that I have kind of come up with that, that helps me when I'm doubting is to say, I don't understand why this is happening, but I look forward to the day in which I do. And what that means for me is that when I look backwards um, and, you know, cause when my mom was dying, I was like, why is this happening? Why, why now? And um, it just felt you know, it was right after my birthday and it was right around Thanksgiving and it was just so sad. And I was like, I'm not ready to, for her to leave. But then looking back, it was right before COVID. My sister and I looked at each other and were like, thank goodness we didn't try to care for her with, you know, because there's a lot of people coming in and out of the house. We had a lot of caregivers and it would have been a, really difficult to do that during a pandemic. And so it all makes sense looking back. So what was, I, I love one, two, three. So what was one, two, three lessons or takeaways that you got from your mom's passing? One is that there can be incredible joy in very sad situations. 
um, and moments of and moments of just connection. Um, and so never to give up on that thought, no matter what is going on, if you're caregiving for someone who has a terminal or chronic illness, to live for those moments of joy. The second is to um, to treasure those moments. So um, be open for them, be looking for them, um, be willing to connect. Um, and the third is that your relationships really matter. Um, one thing that I think helped my mom let go and also helped uh, the three children, there's three children, um, I have a brother and a sister, is that we were able to work as a team. I mean, I'm not going to say it was perfect all the time, but we were able to work through things and um and when, you know, when we, when somebody wants to say, well, this isn't my job or, the, you know, I don't have time for this. It was like, what is best for mom? You know, this, we had to keep her at the forefront. And can I add a number four? Absolutely. Um, another thing that I learned, and this was not only in my mom's journey, but I had another family member who had a terminal illness is when you are dealing with someone who is impacted in in such a serious with a serious diagnosis to let them have the dignity to make their own decisions and you love them and meet them where they are um it can be easy to say you know you know like i heard that whatever you know this will cure cancer or that will help with this and they've got enough on their plate and so just love them where they are and support whatever decisions that they make in their best interest. And that's something that coach training really helped me to solidify is we don't understand their journey. And so just have compassion for where they, where their head is, because that is a difficult road for them. And that was something that I didn't always it was it was it didn't come naturally to me at first because you just want to jump in and be the savior a lot of times um but what they really need most is just to be loved unconditionally and did you turn that around and look in the mirror and say that to yourself all the those okay oh, i didn't i didn't like loving myself unconditionally is that what the question is Absolutely, yeah. How do you love yourself additionally in who you are as Desiree? With all of that was a whole nother, that was a whole other journey, Heather. And I didn't go on that journey till last year. <laughs> oh, oh, I love journeys. So, what brought you to this journey last year? Because this is part. Uh, yeah, I thought, you know, I finished coach training and I was going to set the world on fire and uh, I was going to get out there and start coaching and the universe had other plans and oh. things went awry um, and some plans of mine were delayed and I, I had an unexpected end of a relationship um, and some other trauma that, that came up that I needed to process. And I, out of desperation, I started this meditation practice where I would wake up. I was usually waking up in the middle of the night anyway because I was so stressed out I couldn't sleep. Um, and so I would put on this binaural beats music and meditate for about 10 minutes, and then I would go into this series of questions, and I would just write whatever came up. And everything that was coming up was you need to rest. And I was angry because it was like, I don't have time to rest. I need to build my business. And, and you know, I had friends saying, well, the universe is telling you you need to rest because um, you're waking up at 4 o'clock in the morning to journal. And I was like, and they were telling you to go back to bed. And I'm like, no, you guys don't understand. Like, like this, they mean really deeply rest. And I had written a couple things in my journal, like, you need to be the person that you've always needed. Like you are the person that's going to save yourself. And like this wisdom was coming through and I had a conversation with a coach and she was telling me how I was in the middle of the hero's journey and I knew I needed community. Um, and so I was journaling about that. And I stumbled upon, I was in this program 
with Shazad Shamin, and he has positive intelligence, and that's where my mental fitness coach training comes in. And he had a six-month program that he was pitching to his coaches um, where you would go into a very small group for six months, and you would work on those mental fitness exercises for 30 minutes a day. And I was like, nope, I'm done spending money on you know, self-improvement, and I'm out there. I just need to go out there and build my business, but I'm getting these messages to rest, and I'm stuck. I'm spinning. So I inadvertently end up on a sales call, and I was like, oh, okay. Like, I, you know, they were pitching. They were talking about the details of this product, and I was like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it, and he mentioned three things that one was everyone in that pilot program had said that the you know, the biggest gift was that they became the person they always needed. I was like, okay, well, I just journaled about that this morning. That's a little weird. The second was he equated it to the hero's journey. I was like, well, I'm in the middle of that right now. Great. And the third was it provided a sense of community. And I was like, well, I know I need that. So at that point, I was like, here, I have three nudges from beyond saying you need to do this. And so I was like, take my money. I don't know why. I am being called to do this, but I signed up. And then I realized that the first meeting was during a camping trip I had planned. And I was going to be in a tent in a field with 400 other people. And I was like, okay, this is the sign that this is not meant to do to be. And so it's like, well, let me see what I can do with that. I ended up getting there just in time, took my time setting up my little tent. And I took that first call with my group in a tent in a field, and they met me, and I was like, hey, guys, I'm, a, you know, going camping for a week with this group, and we're going to learn these skills and whatnot, and yeah, so I made a very memorable entrance into my group for the next six months, and they never forgot that, but it was an incredible journey, and through those exercises every day, Heather, is how I learned to cultivate compassion for myself because I finally started to unlock answers that I had struggled with for years in therapy of why are you so hard on yourself? And it, the answers would bubble up and, and, and situations would bubble up. And I'm like, oh, this could go back to that. And it just became, instead of being in victim mode, I learned to have compassion for myself. And that has been a priceless gift. You see, gifts comes in different ways in different forms. And when we put the puzzles together or the puzzle together, it's amazing what we find out when we are at rest mm-hmm. and let the universe fill in the blanks. Because a lot of time we try to force it, that round hole, square peg. I'm dyslexic, so I don't know which way it goes. But, you know, we always try to force things instead of just letting it go naturally. Mm-hmm. And when, it, when we let, here's another way of saying it. Have you ever met, seen a river that had a blockage? Yes. Really? Which one? Um. Well, I kayak, so we call them strainers. Like when you have a tree, you know, a tree across the river or in part of the river. Right, but the water flows around below and above it. It doesn't stop. Yes, but you can get caught in it, and that's very dangerous. But that's you. If you're in a boat. (laughs) I, I, I I say you because... You know, if we were the water, we would figure a way around, through, under, above, whatever way. We figure a way through it. But as human beings, we we see the block. And we mm-hmm. say, oh, we get through that because there's a block. There's a tree. There's a something. Mm-hmm. In the, in, there's a rock. Whatever is in the, in the pathway we see that and we let that be the stop sign that we have yes. to stop because there's a the rock there. But the water doesn't see a stop sign. It just keeps going. 
you know, whether it's above, below, um, around, whatever it is, it just keeps going. And, you know, and that's the natural incarnation of the human being or the human cycle is that, you know, there's 24 hours in a day, and part of that day we have to rest because we cannot go 365 without any sleep. Yes. We do have to rest where we collect our brain. It's like when I go to sleep, I have the greatest, um, what do you call it? I can't think of the words right now. Are they lucid dreams? It wouldn't say they're dreams. They're the greatest thoughts. You know, I complete things. I figure things out. But God knows I can't remember them when I wake up in the morning. But I'm not dreaming. But (laughs) it is. It, you know, it is what it is, and and I've learned to accept it, i.e., perfect example, like I said at the start of this, is that my day was just hectic, busy, 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 and I'm like, oh, i got to do a radio show. Oh, okay, fine. Uh, do I have a guest? Oh, I don't remember if I have a guest. And then you you um, texted me, and oh, man, you hear it. And as long as I didn't get stressed about it, the universe took care of everything. And that's what it did with you. You were saying, I can't, I can't, I can't, with whatever story you were telling yourself. And the universe says, no, 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 I'm going to take care of it, and this is what's going to happen. And, and it unfolded so beautifully for you that you were able to see the things or the, um, the barriers or the obstacles that you were putting in your way, it eliminated them. Exactly. Or, you know, or it pointed me in the direction I needed to go. And I listened. Yes. And you could only listen in a space of quiet and calm. Yes. You know, you know, I love rock concert, but I can't listen to anything at a rock concert. (laughs) But but when I get to the car and it's quiet, I could hear things and I could see things. And when I'm rested, I could see things and it's so clear, it's so beautiful. And it's like, oh, okay, this is the way I need to go. So, uh, so I'm glad that you are receptive to your um, signals, your internal signals that point you in the direction you, you want to go. So great job. Thank you. I took some practice. <laughs> yeah. So how do you use all of those unconscious, I'm going to use the word unconscious, unconscious tools to serve your clients? Um, the, the mental fitness practice is something that I've taken clients through, and that really shifts um, a lot of things for them. And a lot of them don't like to meditate. And I remember um, someone actually asking me, like, how is this different than meditation? And that the mental fitness practice is a 10 second, it's based on 10 seconds of paying attention to one sensation at a time. So one of your senses, or even, you know, if you're eating like the crunchy lettuce, you know, the cool, you know, salad that you're eating or the tangy salad dressing. Um, So it's, it's a, I call it tactical mindfulness. So, you know, it can be meditation can be, I get up in the morning and I sit on my meditation pillow and I do my meditations for 30 minutes, but then you get up and you go out into the world and there's all this craziness coming at you. And so mental fitness actually helps you deal with real life coming at you in the moment and Mm -hmm. will enable you to go back to that, space of peace, Um, even if you're in the grocery store and, um, you know, there's a long line and the checkout's going very slow Um, and and you're just in a rush because you got to get home and make dinner. So it's, you know, that has been one way. Um, The thing that I, I run into a little bit is people are really skeptical of woo woo stuff. And they're like, well, what? We, you know, how do you prove this? 
I'm going to let you react to that. You know what I'm talking about, right, Heather? I do know woo-woo things, and sometimes woo-woo is good, but I don't know what it is, but it's okay. <laughs> so woo-woo is just, you know, kind of like these ideas. It's like airy-fairy, like, oh, yeah, just meditate and everything will be better. And people, especially logical, analytical, and, I mean, I've spent 20 years in IT, and my ex-husband was an engineer, and I'm friends with a lot of people who are, like, engineer types, right? And they mm-hmm. want the proof. Like, they do not want to hear this woo-woo, let's, you know, hug it out and just everything is love. They want to know for sure that there's some kind of science or proof. I was talking to a friend about this the other day, and we were talking about some of the mental fitness concepts. And I was like, well, this stuff's studied by, like, functional MRI. And he was like, show me the studies. And I'm like, oh, geez, Louise, you know. Um, I'm like, why don't you just try it and see if it works? I said, if you want to study, go to Google. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I said, I said, these are the concepts that you can look at, you know, like mirror neurons and neural pathways. And I was like, it's all, I was like, there are many people all saying the same thing. Like, this isn't just some harebrained idea, you know, from some wacky scientist. Like, there are throngs of people all saying the same thing. So, you know, uh, just, yeah. I, I, I agree with that. I think, you know, for most people, woo-woo means that I don't understand it. And I am not languaging it in a way that sounds good to me. So, therefore, okay, fine, it's woo-woo. But you know what? I found out they do it in secret and they won't tell you. Yeah, you know, another thing, like another woo-woo kind of concept is this whole concept of energy. And the coach training that I went to is all, you know, it's it's core energy coaching. And we talk a lot about energy, but the interesting thing is you can feel someone's energy. You can't really explain it, but you can walk into a room and know somebody is angry, you know, or know somebody is sad. You know what? Try doing the divorce and see how much energy there is. There's, I, well, grief, that is a whole nother ball of wax that grief is absolutely exhausting, Heather. I did not anticipate that. I'm like, I can't do anything. I'm exhausted. Right. Because when we're in grief and are, we lack and well, here's the best way, you know, when they say woo-woo, the energy stuff. Okay, try doing some exercises and don't have any, um, don't have a full stomach and or be hungry. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. you're really going to go out there and run 26 miles. Yeah, not going to happen. So there's no energy. There's no fuel. So you always need fuel in some way. So whether it's mental fuel to get you motivated or passionate about something, or physical fuel of food, or if you're in a car, you need that, you know, you know, try to drive in your car on an empty tank. Really? It's going to go far. So, well, one, one of the key concepts that I learned in coach training is there's two types of energy. There's energy that drains you, which is catabolic energy, and that usually has like a negative connotation to it, or... It's just, it's things that drain you. And when you're going through a divorce, there's a lot of things that drain you. You have a lot of really sad and deep emotions. And then there's anabolic energy, which is energy that feeds you. So when, like, if you are in a creative pursuit or you feel like you're in flow of the universe and you're in that river and you're just going around the tree that's blocking everything, right? You're in Mm -hmm. flow. You're going to, that's energy that feeds you. Like sometimes I like to sew or or like sometimes I'll be working on a craft project, like a knitting project or something, and I'll be in flow and you just lose track of time. And that's energy that feeds you. It actually refills your soul. And I feel like, but when I was going through a divorce, I had no interest in doing anything because I had no energy to do. I didn't have energy to craft. I didn't, I just. It was enough just to keep myself alive, and that sounds kind of dramatic, but between work 
and feeding myself and tending to my emotional needs. That's all I had the capacity to do. But now understanding that there's energy that drains you and there's energy that feeds you, I can, I can kind of gauge like, okay, I've been doing a lot of things that feel like heavy and work and, you know, a lot of adulting things I attach to energy that drains you, like your taxes, right? Or like things that you just don't like doing. Um, but then, so I'm like, I need to have a little fun. I need a little bit of play in my life. I need some socialization. That's stuff that um, I've determined that, you know, feeds my spirit and my soul. So once you understand that, and understand that, you know, when you're grieving, you're going through a lot of really deep emotions. You're not going to have a lot of energy. So what can you do to restore a little bit of energy to give you a little bump of hope? Um, then you can manage yourself better. Very true with that. And I want to um, divert a little bit in what you're saying and move to a topic similar but not necessarily on the same course. Let's talk about your authentic self. And, you know, we talked briefly before about looking in the mirror and owning your pimples. That's why yes. I just, you know, so when we look in the mirror and we own our pimples as who we are, how would you say who you are to your clients, or in a better way of saying it, of me asking that question, how do you believe your clients see you? So I think that my clients do see me as someone who's authentic because I'm pretty open. Um, one thing that I've learned is that living in, in authenticity, so when I'm trying to be someone that I'm not, that is really draining on my energy. Um, so it's easier for me to show up as my authentic self. Um, I'm kind of, I mean, I joke that I'm a little bit of a weirdo. You know, I like to do, like, I, I used to, people that I worked with back in the day would joke with me like, oh, you play dominoes with your church people and you sew and you knit. And they're like, you're just training for the retirement home. And I was like, hey, uh, who calls me when, you know, like they all wanted me to hem their pants and stuff. And I'm like, I'm not your tailor. You know, like I sew for my pleasure. I don't sew so I can do your mending. You know, like y'all are certainly making fun of me when it, you know, when it's funny for you, but like you also expect me to help you. And I was like, that's, that's not cool. So it's a, it's a very interesting, like, walking through the world and being my authentic self has not always been easy because I feel like I am a little bit different. But trying to push against that and fit into what other people want me to do or like or um, say is draining because I'm not being who I really and truly am. And I believe that showing up as your authentic self um, especially as someone, you know, who is coaching other people, gives other people permission to show up as their authentic selves. And then we can start to appreciate the differences in each other um, instead of turning it into this, you know, let's pick on you and make fun of you. We're actually seeing this garden of beautiful flowers that are unique and appreciating um, everybody's uniqueness instead of trying to get everyone to fit in. Does that resonate? Absolutely. So, um, so tell me, how do you, do you still struggle today in um, owning your authentic self or owning your pimples? Um, one thing that, one thing that just recently came up, and I was talking to some people about this this weekend, is um, I was asking someone, I said, I think, you know, I get the, people have told me that I'm intimidating. And, you know, I've run into some people that intimidate me, and it's because they're just so capable, like they can do anything. And I said, is it because I'm like, super independent and pretty capable? And 
and he had some feedback for me and he was like, you know, you might not realize how loud you are and your laugh is like, will turn heads. And sometimes people don't like that. And that was hard for me, Heather, because here I was, and he, he wasn't saying it to be mean. It was more of a self-awareness thing, but that has been used against me in the past. And it's, I've had people from my immediate family tell me, don't be so loud. It makes you unattractive, or I'm annoyed with you because you're loud in the morning. And that was hurtful. And so for a moment, I wanted to change how I present to the world. And then I started talking to a a few friends about it. And they were like, I love your laugh. That's what I love about you is how joyful it just it does turn heads. And I, I talked to somebody else and they were like, you're just like your dad. And he had a cackle that would just stop, you know, everybody's conversation in the room just because it was so authentic. Um, so it can be hard to own those pieces of myself. And I'm, a, I'm grateful for the awareness, but I also, um, I also need to love myself despite what other people might judge or, or say about me and just understand that I might not be their person. And, and similar to you, I went through that journey myself. And, excuse me, where I did not own my pimples. Now I say I own my pimples and I love them. <laughs> And it doesn't matter what Jane thinks or what Joe thinks about them. It's that they're my pimples, i.e., for example, it's like I have a short-term memory, and I used to beat myself up and say, oh, my God, I forgot. Now it's like, you know what? My short-term memory doesn't allow me to remember that, so who cares? <laughs> I, I, I really And it's whether my laughter or my nose, or whatever it is, I am so proud of because all of those little pieces have made me who I am. And I say today that I am incredible, amazing, talented, smart, intelligent Heather. And that's who Heather is. And it's okay. And not everybody's going to like it, which is okay. And I don't need everybody to like it, but the most important person to like it is me. Exactly. And if you can see yourself as someone who is lovable, you start to tolerate a lot less BS. Um, it, it has shown up in me being like a kind of a fierce warrior in defending myself. Like, like, nope, this isn't like, you know, um, I don't feel safe here and so I'll remove myself from the situation or, um, you know, setting boundaries or I've even ended relationships over it because I don't, I don't feel like I was respected or, you know, um, I mean, if if someone does something that is in definite um, an alignment with integrity or truth, um, I, I have no problems with walking away. Uh, from that relationship. And in the past, I would just try to make it work and try to make it work. And I, I saw a meme recently that was um, saying, you know, you were just, you were just trying so hard to be loved. Like, you know, you were giving all those second chances because you were trying to be loved. And what you really needed was just to love yourself. And, and so in loving myself and embracing those things that I'm, you know, that others might find offensive or off-putting um, has has allowed me to show up better for myself, has allowed me to walk away from things that aren't meant for me instead of wasting my time trying to make and, everything work. Exactly. And here's the way that some others who are not satisfied with their life try to put it on your life. It's like, oh, my God. You've been divorced X. You should be dated. Why are you not dating? Well, maybe I don't feel like dating. <laughs> you know, one of the things that I have, like, picked up on is I'm like, you probably don't like my laugh because it calls attention to, like, the table that we're sitting at at dinner, and you are afraid of being seen. 
Is it, you know, loosely? Yeah. So there was another thing that I saw posted um, that said, you know, do you find me intimidating or um, are you intimidated by me? Like, like I, I forgot exactly what it was, but it was basically like, you know, am I intimidating or are you just intimidated by me? You know, like, does everybody see me as intimidating or is that a problem with you? Or, you know, is that your, your stuff to work through and you're just putting it back on me? Um, and I was like, well, that's an interesting question or an interesting perspective. And it's not to say that we can go around, um, you know, acting as jerks to everybody in our life. It's not that. It's about being who you are authentically and embracing those natural things that just that you express yourself in that way. Um, it's not inappropriate to laugh loudly. I mean, if you're doing it in a very inappropriate time, then maybe. Um, but, you know, there's social norms and stuff like that um, that people kind of expect you to live into. And there is more acceptance. Um, the more that we learn about people who are neurodivergent, there is more acceptance and grace in those circumstances, which is, I think is making the world a better place. Um, but social norms say, you know, somebody laughing loudly in a restaurant is not generally offensive. Um, God, they may have had heard the greatest joke on the planet and they're laughing and, and it's totally okay. And it's, mm-hmm. it's whatever makes them happy per se. And if it's offensive to A, it might not be offensive to B. But if you are comfortable, you know, I had a girlfriend the other day. She said to me, um, I don't like to wear makeup during sex, but the guy I see wants me to wear makeup. And I said, okay, if you don't like wearing makeup, why are you wearing makeup? Because she, she doesn't. So I said, you know what? If you don't like wearing makeup, and you put makeup on, sometime during that relationship, he's going to see you without makeup. What do you think about that? Mm-hmm. And so are you going to wear makeup 24-7 just to please him or be yourself? And it was like, it's so much easier to be myself. And it's like, I don't wear makeup. And if I do an interview or whatever it is, uh or on camera, I'm not wearing any makeup. And the reason being is because when I go to my clients or work with my clients, I'm not working in makeup. And I'm Mm -hmm. not going to try to make myself to be something I'm not to make someone else happy. Because at that moment, I'm not happy. And the most important happiness in the world is mine. So, therefore, it's like, okay, no makeup. And if they don't want me in makeup or don't want to work with me without makeup, it's okay. There's no judgment. Mm-hmm. And and we leave it like that. So, this is an interesting thing because I, like, I never wore makeup. And it, I, I worked at a financial services firm and we had to wear business suits and um and pantyhose and I I mean but I would still have my hair in a ponytail and I'd have no makeup on I'm like you can force me to wear fancy clothes but you can't force me to look fancy every day you know um and I like to camp and hike and so there's a lot of times that I'm not in makeup but one thing that I will offer as a perspective because I was firmly in the no makeup camp um and I still pretty much am but one thing that has shifted, and, I, and I'm starting to question this or starting to open up about this, is when I tend to be in a relationship, um, like a long-term relationship or married, I kind of let myself go in terms of how I look. Like, I don't care about my hair. I don't really care about wearing makeup. But one thing as I'm building my business, I want to come across as with a certain image, Um, And it's not an inauthentic image. It's just I want to look put together. And I went to this new hair 
stylist and she was asking me and she was like, well, this hair really isn't serving you. And it was long and it was all one layer. And I was like, yeah, I agree. Like I look like Hagrid from Harry Potter. Right. And she Mm -hmm. just died laughing. She goes, well, can I, can I just do what I want to do? And I was like, okay, well, the second time you cut my hair and I'll trust you. And she gave me a really excellent haircut, but I was like, I have more layers than a Dober's cake. Like this thing is crazy. Right. I, I was at some points I was looking at her like, what are you doing woman? But my hair looks fantastic and I've gotten more compliments on my hair and it helped me to look better. Like I felt better about myself and I was like, okay, I kind of like this. Maybe I should look into how do I fix my hair? Cause I didn't own a curling iron. Um, and so I was like, okay, well let me play around and see if I can figure out how to fix my hair and I'll wear a little bit of makeup. Like, a little bit of mascara, like I wear a tinted lip balm and basically tinted moisturizer and mascara. It's very minimal makeup, but it actually, I feel put together when I walk into the world like that because I am my business and I, and, and that's the, that's how I want to portray that I've got. It's an image that's tied to my business that I care about presenting to the world and I'm not does that make sense no and I absolutely agree it's like you know my brand is roadmap Mm -hmm. and as the brand roadmap my image is comfortability yes so therefore um it's not that I I don't well you know the highest heel I have is probably um, one-inch heel. And the reason being I had three toe surgeries and I refused to wear anything um, higher than one inch. <laughs> so, therefore, I'm not, I'm not being in pain. I don't want to be in pain to impress somebody in shoes that um, hurts my feet. Not going to happen. So, but... Yeah. But as... Well, as, and I mean... I'm going to tell you, Heather, Old Navy has some really beautiful flats right now. I just bought three pair in different colors um, because I don't, I don't agree in being in pain either. So there's some, they're like Rothy's knockoff. They're $14 right now. They're amazing. Um, but you can look put together and still be comfortable. And that's what I'm trying to, because I am very much, I am very much in my camping clothes and my yoga pants and, and and I love that. I love being comfortable, and I value comfort over style. But I'm right. toying with the idea of how can I have a dress that's a little bit stylish and pair that with a flat and wear some mascara and get my eyebrows waxed, you know, so where it, I don't have bushy eyebrows and look a little bit more put together but still be comfortable. Uh-huh. And I'm trying to find that middle ground. Okay, absolutely. And and I know how to reach that middle ground because I could be in my yoga pants, my uh, I don't wear sneakers per se unless I'm jogging and I'm vigilant about staying fit and healthy, relationship or not. Um, you know, I'm out there like four thirty, five o'clock in the morning exercising or ten o'clock at night exercising. So that's me and that's what makes me feel good. But, you know, I could be in the yoga pants at 2 o'clock and be at a charity function in a dress at 7 o'clock with hair, that thing. But it's a seamless transition of comfortability and ease for me. I don't go, oh, my goodness, I'm going to put, like I said, I'm not going to put that four-inch heels on because that's not me. It doesn't work that way. You know, when I'm with my clients, I'm put together. I'm in that image of where I want to project of confidence, confidence, and confidence. Yes. And so finding the confidence and the comfort is kind of my my jam. Okay. And you'll find it because all of a sudden it will just work because when I worked in corporate, it was like I never had, I still don't own a pair of jeans. Believe it or not, I don't own jeans. <laughs> but it's okay. I don't want any. Um, but now um, I got rid of all the suits 
and I'm just, my closet is strictly yoga pants. <laughs> and I love it because it, it's comfort. And, you know, like I say, if I have to get dressed to go to a function, okay, I'll get dressed to um, put on a dress and go to a function. But it's like, like, it's what I said earlier. I so own my temples and I know where I am, who I am, when I am, and how I am in all aspects. You know, in the casual, in the dressy, in in between, and I'm comfortable with that. Yeah, and it's it's a place sometimes as women we tend to struggle because we don't know what side we're on, or where we should be. So we pretend to be something else that we're not, and we're not comfortable there. And I want yes. to be comfortable there. And I am comfortable there. That's what I'm saying. Yes. Yes. You know, so that's it. So um, can you believe we've been at this for an hour? I know. I was about, I was just checking the time. I'm like, goodness, I need to get to bed. <laughs> but Desiree, this was amazing. I thank you so much. I had so much fun getting to know you. And I always end, this is the only standard question I have for this interview. Everything else is um, impromptu. It's like, mm-hmm. what takeaways did you get from tonight's discussion? That it's okay to be you. Um, and that's something that I've been grappling with. That just sink into your your true self. Be quiet. Listen be okay with who you are and it's okay to it's okay to feel it's okay to feel beautiful but it's okay to feel like you don't fit in all the way and just appreciate our differences thank you so ladies if you are out there and you're looking for someone to help you to create your alignment and to tune into who you are Contact Desiree. And Desiree, how can we get in touch with you? Um, my, I have a website. It's DesireeDoucette.com. So D-E-S-I-R-E-E-D-O-U-C-E-T. I'm also on Instagram at Desiree.Doucette. Or you can find me on Facebook. Um, Desiree D. Doucette um, is my business page. Um, or you can email me at info at DesireeDoucette.com. So, multiple ways to get in touch with me. Um, I would love to speak to anybody who could use any support on their journey. I wish I would have had someone to support me um, through my journey, a consistent support um, of someone who had, you know, who had some of these tools to help me weather the storm. But I'm just grateful to have, to be coming out of that and know what my path is forward. And Desiree, you have some amazing tools, so your clients will be in well taken, well taken care of hands, or great hands. All things says all good hands, something like that. I don't remember. I have a lousy short term memory, and that's okay. Some things I remember, some things I don't. <laughs> but you know, life is always fantastic. It's always good. The universe is always going to answer it. And I think Tony Robbins says the only thing that changes is time. Everything else is a constant. So mm-hmm. have, a, have a good one. Enjoy the journey. Um, there are various exits along the way, and each one offers a different path. And you can always tune in every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. With Roadmap in Your Life with Heather Mahoney, and we get a great story like we did tonight with this, um, Desiree. So we will see you again next week, same bad channel, same time, and have a great one. Till then, and again, Desiree, I thank you. Have a fantastic, amazing week. We'll see you soon. You too. Thank you, Heather. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to Optimize My Life Radio. We hope you found today's show insightful and empowering. 
Remember to follow us on social media and optimize my life for updates, additional resources, and to stay connected with our community. Join us back here tomorrow at 12 p.m. Eastern for another enriching episode as we continue our journey towards a more fulfilling and optimized life. Until then, take care, and remember to make each day count. Oh,